Eagles Entertainment. With the 13th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and it is time to turn the page to week two in college football. To do that, we've got a great group of guests. Number one, we're going to start things off with Mr. Relevant. Greg Cosell from NFL Films is going to drop by. We're going to talk through six players with Greg, three quarterbacks, three receivers. Just get his thoughts going into the season on these guys. He's done a bunch of work on college prospects going into the season uh, over the summer. Just want to get Greg's thoughts on some of the top players across the board on offense. We'll do that at the top of the show in Mr. Relevant. After that, we've got Saturday scouting where Ben Fennell and I are going to talk through some of the top prospects taking the field this weekend. Who do you need to have your eye on in the biggest games? Well, Ben and I, we have got you covered. Make sure you stay tuned for Saturday scouting. After that, we've got pick six. Ross Tucker and I go head-to-head. We continue our matchup here, looking at the biggest battles from this week's slate of games. Ross has a little bit of a slight lead on me after week one. We'll see how long that lasts as we go through the biggest games to watch on Saturday. And then we round it out with our draft mailbag, uh, a question from you at home, which, speaking of which, if you want to throw us some support, if you want to uh, just give us some love, if you want a question answered, head on over to our Apple Podcast page or Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen, leave us a rating. If you've got a question, leave it in a comment box. We will answer it here on an upcoming episode. We'll do that there at the end of this show. That said, it's time to get into uh, our conversation here with Greg Cosell. Let's go to Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. All right, so joining us this week here on Mr. Relevant, I teased it earlier in the show, my friend Greg Cosell, who you could check out with me every single week on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Greg, it's great to have you back in studio here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. It is really good to be back here. You know, it's been, what, since the 2019 season that I've been in the building. Season. Yes, it's uh, so it's great to have you back in here. And I thought... While we have Greg in for the first time, maybe we'll bring him on a journey as well, and we could talk through some of the skill players. I know you've done you've done deep dives on uh, a lot of these guys coming into the season, namely the the skill position players. But yep. I know you've do- dove around uh, some other areas as well. But I'm thinking we'll do the same structure of what we do leading up to the draft, where uh, that's a pick six segment. So you're going to pick uh, six guys for us to break down. I'm thinking three quarterbacks and three receivers, and I want to ask you first about the reigning Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama, Bryce Young. Uh, He goes for uh, over 100 yards rushing this past week, uh, throws for a bunch of yards as well. They blow out uh, Utah State. But uh, what did you see from Bryce Young when you studied him on tape, and what makes you so excited about him? Um, I think Bryce Young, and this is not an X and O point, but it it ultimately is to some extent. I think he just has a tremendous feel for the game. Mm. Um. You know, one of the things, and I've gotten to know Bryce Young, so I've been able to talk with him. And Bill O'Brien is their offensive coordinator. Yep. This is Bill's second year there. And Bill is a very demanding coach. And when I talked to Bryce Young this summer, one of the things he said to me was that he does a lot of the protection calls and checks it. at yeah. the line of scrimmage. As a, as a sophomore last right. year, he was doing it. Right, yeah. And if you know Bill O'Brien, and I've known Bill through the years, he would not let a quarterback do that unless mm. he could do that. Mm. And that is really, really impressive to me. And I think Bryce Young just has a a natural feel for space and motion. You know, the comparison I made, and it's funny, I did not know this at the time I made the comparison, and then they did a whole piece on it. Uh, I think it might have been this weekend because I was watching some of the Alabama game. Um, The the player I compared him to was actually Steph Curry. That's great. I I love that. I think he just has, you know, because Steph Curry, like... 
and I watched uh, the last two years, I've been watching a ton of NBA. So, like, you wouldn't say Steph Curry is an explosive athlete the way, let's say, John Morant is an explosive mm-hmm. athlete. I don't know if you watch much NBA. Yeah, a little bit. A dabble. Know, John Morant is an explosive athlete. Sure. Curry's not that kind of mover. Yeah. But Curry just has a feel for creating enough space to get his shot off. He still drives to the basket. It doesn't look like he's dynamically quick, but he gets there mm. and, you know, gets uh, lays it in. Young never looks like anything he's doing is hurried or fast or impatient, yep. but he always finds space for himself to deliver the football. And we know that he can obviously execute just the drop back game yep. at a very high level. Sure. So to me, Bryce Young is a really high level player. Uh, I know he's gained some weight. He's never going to be 225. I was going to ask, like, you know, to me, like, br- the, the brass tax conversation about it is, like, how much, as we sit here in the first week of September of 2022, not in 2015 or in 2010, but in 2022, like, how much does the size impact how people view him? I would bet less and less. Yeah. Because if if Baker Mayfield at six feet was the number one pick in the draft, right. and Bryce Young is probably going to be 5'11 or 5'11 and a half, mm-hmm. And Kyler Murray was and Kyler was Murray, who's five pick, ten. Yeah. Now, obviously, Bryce can't move like Kyler Murray, but he can make plays he can. with his feet. Because I mean, he had the sixty-yard run. Yeah, or yeah. Like that this yeah. Past week. yeah. And and the other thing that really stood out to me watching his tape because I watched a lot of Alabama this summer and I actually talked to him about it. Alabama got blitzed a lot last year. He he was under duress a lot, and he always had answers. He Did knew you know, where to go with the football he, and made throws was, under duress all the time. And that to me is so critical in the NFL, contested throws. No one talks about that. Look, when we evaluate quarterbacks coming into the NFL, I don't care about watching tunnel screens and bubble screens. That's not going to tell me if he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. The ability to react to pressure and make contested throws. And he was under a ton of pressure last year. He always had an answer, and he made throws under duress. If you watch the two Georgia games and the LSU game, they're like – and Al- Auburn, a big game Auburn, too. Yeah, you know what? I'm not, it's not LSU. It, was it is Auburn. Auburn. It was yeah. Auburn. You're right. And there were like heartbreaking drops by his receiver where he's going to get pummeled. He's got a, a linebacker yeah. coming down the chute and he delivers and gets crushed and puts it on the money between three defenders and it's just, it falls incomplete. And it's like, oh my God, like this would have been, if this was Patrick Mahomes, people would be going bananas. No, you're right. And he makes those kind of throws. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say look easy, but he makes them look easy at times. Yeah. Uh, really, really fun player. C.J. Stroud, another guy kind of in that conversation at quarterback. Uh, What have you seen from C.J. Stroud, and how do you project him moving forward into uh, Um, this this season? I like C.J. Stroud. Um, I I come back to the the contested throws. One of the things we've seen with Ohio State quarterbacks over the years, and by the way, this is not Ryan Day's fault. His job is to win football games in college. And he's got an unbelievable system that really defines and presents clean throws for the quarterback all the time. Yep. And so you don't you haven't seen C.J. Stroud very often have to make throws from contested pockets under duress. I'm not going to sit here right now and say he's incapable of doing that. Yep. I don't know the answer to that. Yep. But you don't see that. So that's just a question that you're you're uncertain as to whether he can do that. I think he moves a little better than you might think. In fact, he he made a couple of throws in this game against Notre Dame week in the first game this yeah. year where he had to move and make some throws. But he'll make his hay in the NFL as a pocket quarterback. Yep. Um, you know, the offense is so highly schemed. He's he, Throws are there. He's a good thrower. I don't know what you think. I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's a special thrower, would no, you? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him a big-time arm talent. No, he's a good thrower. Yeah, he's a good thrower. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, but and we're not going to talk about him today, but I don't think he's at the same level of, of if you just you want to use the word arm talent yeah. as Will Levis. Right, yep, sure. Um, we can debate his athleticism as well. Like right. I would say Levis. Yeah, and we can, we'll, though, yeah. we'll discuss Levis at some point down the road, I'm yep. sure. Right. You know, but, uh, but I think C.J. Stroud is just a really solid quarterback, throws the ball well. Um, I'm curious again to see, is he going to stand and deliver? Is that going to be something that he will do? Yep. Um, he certainly doesn't have the mobility of Justin Fields, the quarterback that preceded him, you know, and Fields could leave the pocket and make plays with his legs. Stroud can do that on occasion, but that's not really his game. Yeah, I, I think to me, uh, the the big thing that stood out to me about C.J. Stroud, number one, I thought in that offense, he got better and looked way more comfortable as the year He's went on. Very decisive in that offense. Yeah. Very decisive. As you watch like the Oregon game last year, week two, right. versus, you know, obviously the Rose Bowl was record setting, but you right. watch it against the Rose not two different way, players, but he, like he, he was, made some big time reads and throws yep. in the Rose Bowl game against Utah, yeah. where he had to read coverage and then deliver the ball to the right guy. Yep. He did that against Utah without question. And like the to me the the accuracy, the touch, the ball placement, like all very yeah, very all strong. very strong. So even though like the, you wouldn't say like special arm talent well, in terms of being able to put the ball where it needs to go on the money on, on time, he's able to. Well, do it's that. funny because here's what I said. I said more of a touch thrower than a drive velocity yes. thrower, but was willing to. To turn it loose to make tough throws, especially in the middle of the field. Yep. That's exactly what I said. I was just going to say, I might have had the same line. It wasn't quite, <laughs> quite the same, but it was, uh, it was pretty close to that. Uh, you know, so CJ Stroud, really, really good player. Uh, let's get to the next one here. And this one is yeah. it's a fun conversation, Greg. Uh, yep. Anthony Richardson had less than 70 attempts last year. He had one start against LSU. This is a quarterback from Florida. Anthony Richardson comes in this year against Utah. Huge stage, has a really big performance this past Saturday uh, against the Utes. Uh, just to kind of get your thoughts. I mean, Richardson, yeah. the, the, the ceiling is sky high. Yeah, I watched every one of his plays from was he relatively he, easy to do. Yeah, it wasn't year. that many. Yep. But um, look, he's big. He's physically imposing. I mean, he's just an impressive, impressive athlete. Such an easy throw over the football. Yep. I mean, it looks it looks effortless. Someone reached out to me over the weekend and said he reminds me of uh, Vince Young when he was at Texas. And it was like, in terms of like the the arm talent, the the athleticism. I didn't think Young was that kind of arm talent. Interesting. But that's. I mean, this guy yeah. he has got a host. Yeah. He is because Young Young kind of had that. He did, yes. Compact, yep. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. This kid just is, he's an effortless thrower. Um, he can easily flick the ball. His base is good. You know, he's not, he, he doesn't play the position. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is he doesn't throw like an athlete. He actually throws like a quarterback. Mm. He's a phenomenal athlete, yep. obviously, but he's such an easy thrower of the football. Watching his development this year is going to be fascinating. Obviously, NFL teams are already intrigued because he's 6'4", yep. 240. And, you know, if you think of a Josh Allen, Richardson's a smoother mover. Josh Allen yes. runs stronger, you know, yep. just in the way he looks. But Richardson looks almost like a track guy running. Yep. Right. Um, so he's going to be fascinating to watch because he's – it's the nuance, nuances of the position, the subtleties, the details, all that – um, it's hard to see a lot of that watching on TV, you know, and for me anyway. Yep. Maybe others no. can see that. I need to sit, you know, with a clicker and really go over the plays. Um, but he's he's just really gifted, really gifted. That's the thing is, you know, coming into this, you know, the into the summer, so we're talking like May, June right, right. of uh, earlier this year, uh, so much conversation around Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. You throw in Will Levis into that conversation. 
Richardson only one start last year. There were some in the media that were they were saying, "Hey, like this guy could be right, really, right, really right. good." I know you obviously did the work on him, and you, and you were really high on what he could be. Without so question, now, but I think that could be one of the big storylines coming out of Week One is is Richardson going to turn into that player? And obviously, time will tell. Well, this Saturday night at seven o'clock on ESPN, and I will be Kentucky. watching. Yep. It's Kentucky and Florida. Yep. And I will be watching that one. That was, it's gonna be, that's a big one. For, yeah. uh, if, you're, if you're looking at these quarterbacks here yeah. uh, in this class, that will be a big game. Um, all right, let's go to wide receiver uh, because obviously that's been such a, uh, a hot position over the course of the last few years. Plenty of talent uh, here in this group as well. And we'll start with a guy that got dinged up against Notre Dame, and that's Ohio State's He's Jackson. okay, though, right? Yes, yeah. I believe so. So uh, at least as of this recording on Monday morning, uh, Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, your thoughts going back and watching all of his targets a year ago? Liked him a lot. Yeah, he's a smooth player. Liked him a lot. I mean, outstanding route and separation quickness. He can run after catch. Um I didn't think he had a true physical element to his game. Not that he's soft, but, mm. you know, I thought that he he was played like a small, quick finesse receiver. I mean, I thought, but his his quickness is is really, really good. Yeah. So, you know, in today's NFL, and we don't, I don't have the numbers yet for his height and weight, you know, but he's not going to be 6'2", 220. Right. I don't know if you have any numbers. I'll look at something. I don't, I'm not going to have anything official, but I can tell you exactly I mean, how he's pro- I would guess he's 5'11 and a half, 190. Which doesn't mean he can't line up on the outside. Yeah, he's listed six foot one ninety seven. So okay. you know, if you're if you're upscaling that a little bit, yeah, okay. right around that range. Uh, you know, obviously he lined up a lot in the slot. I did I make a note of that? Let's see. He was almost an exclusively a slot receiver last year. Correct. I, I you know I didn't see the beginning of the game before he got dinged up, so I don't know if he was playing outside. But he's he's a really dynamic mover. Just understands how to run routes. Yep. Great quickness. A lot of fun to watch, I thought. Did you watch in the summer? Yes, I, I feel like he is a guy, because the one I would say the big knock right now that people have is that he's not like a blazer 4-3. You not. and I talked about this all in the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast earlier this week yeah. about speed not necessarily being like the most, well, it's going to be a top five trait for a wide receiver. It's also play speed is different than no straight line. You know, he's not in a track stance running the 40 at the combine. How fast is he going in and out of cuts? More yeah. Than what he is How quickly does he get off the line of scrimmage if he has free access? Yeah. I, I, I'm sure you look at that. That that to me is so critical. So many guys who maybe don't run 4-4, but if they have free access, they get off the line of scrimmage in a hurry. And that's something that used to not be quantifiable. You not right. you could not you, you just right. had to go off, off feel and off the eye test. Right. But now that's what the, where the importance of like the GPS numbers that now teams have had for years. Well, now you can te- contextualize that and say like, okay, well, uh, how does that look compared to receivers over the last four or five years? It's not right. as big of a sample right. as the forty yard dash going back decades. But being able to say, okay, well, uh, this is how fast this guy is running, uh, you know, getting in and out of breaks on comeback routes outside the numbers. Uh, well, let's compare that to guys that we have on our team right. running that same route, guys that are coming out of the 2019 draft running the same route. So uh, I think that will be big for him uh, in terms yeah, of his no, he's that got that data. tremendous quickness and great route separation at the top of his routes, Tim. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching him. Doesn't put the ball on the ground either. No, uh, he's, no. He's just a really reliable right. pass catcher. Uh, let's get to another guy here from uh, LSU, another guy. The stat line, not not too flattering for Kayshawn Boutte no. on, on Sunday night uh, this past week against Florida State, but uh, a big-time talent for sure. Yeah, although I, I would say I like Smith to Jigma more. I would say so. I would think that's uh, fair. I mean, I I think that this guy is a smooth, measured mover. He's not. I didn't find him to be an explosive athlete. Um, another guy that, you know, I think he, he kind of lined up both in the slot and outside, you know, for LSU last year. Obviously, yep. totally different, different coaching offense. staff, yeah, different right. offense. Yep. Um so you don't know what he's going to be. I mean, obviously, the um, he got hurt last year, too. And then their offense was 
I, I did watch the game this week against Florida State. Um, the pass game was kind of very herky-jerky. The O-line had some yes. issues. There was no rhythm to the pass game at all. Yep. So, it, you know, it's hard to get a feel for that. Um, I think he can play both outside and inside. Um, I think he's really competitive. I thought he was tough working inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot to like about him. I'm just not sure how explosive he is. So two guys, I talked about him last week on the show with Ben, and two guys that I compared him to, I wrote down while watching him. And the body types are a little bit different. But in terms of the style, I wrote down DJ Moore and Brandon Ayuk in terms of kind of like the the longer yeah. uh, yards after catch monster guy. Like, hey, let's get this get this guy the ball on the run. Some of Butte's best plays, in my opinion, were some of those in breaking routes where you saw the speed in the open field and he could yep. just kind of work with the ball in yeah. his hands. Yeah, because um, I, didn't, I didn't view him as like a, a nuanced separator. Like I didn't, no. I didn't view him that way. But no, uh, and I made that point too. He had open field elusiveness. Yes, um, but. I could see that for sure. I think Ayuk, I remember watching him. He was Arizona State, yes, right? Yep. I, I think he's a little more purely explosive. He had more juice. A little yeah. more juice. Yep. Uh, more, more is bigger. Yes. Um, that's but, the same body type, a little bit different. But, right? uh, but I could see that comparison. So like stylistically. Stylistically, that's how, that's yeah. yeah. I, I think yep. I think uh, Booty could be that kind of guy. Yeah. He's a, he's a fun player. I'm interested to see. Hopefully yeah. that, that pass game yep. can kind of take the next step as the season goes on. Last one, Greg, I wanted to ask you, who's the third receiver that just kind of stood out to you? Because I know you watched a bunch of I watched receivers I probably this like summer. 15 receivers. Yep. And some guys I knew nothing about, to be honest with you, sure. Fran. I mean, guys, and, and I'll tell you who I found fascinating. And okay. I, you know, he didn't have a big numbers in this first week, so, you know, but again, that doesn't mean anything, is the kid from Virginia, Dontavian Wicks. Yeah. He's a good player. I really liked his tape a lot. I mean, I thought he had build-up speed. He's big, first of all. He is. Really good size. Um, and, you know... Again, it gets down to stride length. He ran by corners in college. I don't know what his 40 time will be. I'm, my guess is he's not going to run a 4 3 5. Yeah. But, you know, stride like low length. Low 4 4 is at over 200 pounds. Like that, that's that, pretty that, good. That's money. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I thought he was a super intriguing prospect. Size, physicality, athleticism, play speed, was a vertical dimension, needs to clean up some drops. I mm-hmm. thought, did you watch him? Yeah. A few too many drops on yep. routine catches, needs to be cleaned up. Um, I thought he could make a really strong transition to the NFL. These big receivers, you know, they're it, it, it's very deceptive that they, they can get on top of, of people. Yep. Um, I really liked Wicks. One of the big themes, and our listeners that are listening every week might be sick of me talking about this, but I feel like one of the big themes this year at receiver – there's a bunch of like height, weight, speed guys. Like, Without there's a, question. There's a bunch of guys who are like, man, like yep. if this guy could put it all together. This is a top 15, top 20 pick. And I felt like Wicks is in that bucket. Well, of guys I, I, like, I agree. He takes that next step. He's a big time talent. I mean, the other guy I thought of was Cedric Tillman yeah, from no Tennessee. De- uh, Demas from Maryland, I think. De- yes, yes. Pocket. He there's, falls into that category. There's a handful of these guys yeah. who are like, all right, like 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", that are going to be like in the low 4'4s four and have like 33 and a half inch arms. And it's like, man, like. You, you look at the guys that fit that model in the NFL, those guys usually they usually do pretty well if they hit. If they hit. Correct, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Some guys don't, right. but the guys that do are pretty good. Right. You know, no. the, the, for every, uh, uh, you know, obviously Calvin Johnson's a unicorn, but you, you right, know what I'm right, saying? Right, right, right. Like, there's the, the Brashad Perrimans that just never figured it out. Right, right. Um, so we'll see. It's a, it's an interesting group, though. No, it's a, it, it's a pretty good receiver group. I it mean, is. you know, you and I both know receivers get drafted. Yes. So, I mean, it's easy to sit here and say, well, this year's group was great. Well, when we by the time we get to the end of this season in the Combine, people are going to be saying this year's group's pretty good, too. Right, and, we'll, and of course, we'll be talking about, oh, the, the group next year's going to be great, exactly. too. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, all. the thing is, and, and, and you know, it's funny, just bringing this back to the Eagles, it's probably one reason why the, um, the Titans traded A.J. Brown. Yeah. Because, and A.J. Brown is really good. There's great no play. knock on A.J. Brown. Right. But... 
theoretically, you can always get receivers. Right. Now, is, is A.J. Brown so special that you can't get an A.J. Brown every year? To some degree, yes, but you can always get receivers in a yeah. draft. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the interesting topics, especially with yeah. all the receiver movement, uh, not just A.J. Brown, but uh, with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. You go down the list uh, the, here this offseason, a big topic, I think, yeah. uh, in NFL circles. Well, uh, Greg, this was great. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. Again, check Greg and I out weekly over on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We'll be talking about Eagles and all the rest. Of the, if, you, if you're not a fan of the Eagles, uh, and you're a fan of the NFL, well, we, we talk plenty of X's and O's uh, and uh, matchup-based looking around at different opponents as well. So uh, check us out every single week on the Eagle on the Sky podcast. Greg, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Rand. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, let's get into this weekend's action here with Saturday Scouting as I welcome in Ben Fennell uh, to go through this weekend's games. Ben, not as... Um, star-studded a slate of games this week, and it's typically that way, right? I feel like college football is built up week one where it's just like uh, huge matchup after huge matchup after huge matchup. This week, not as good, but there are still some really intriguing ones I'm excited to dive into with you. Yeah, the buzz and the excitement takes a little bit of a backseat just because it's always a star-studded opening weekend with some powerhouse matchups, but... There's a couple uh, big-time programs hosting some big-time programs, so yep. uh, we'll dive into those. And there's also, like the from an NFL draft standpoint, I think one of the big storylines entering this week is Florida, Kentucky, 7 o'clock, ESPN. Anthony Richardson, who had that huge debut last week against Utah, going up against Will Levis from Kentucky. Uh, a lot of people view him as a first-round quarterback prospect, so two potential first-round QBs going head-to-head. I think that's kind of the headliner. Uh, and for my matchup to watch, I'm going to go to that game but I'm not going to go there because obviously those guys aren't going to see each other on the field. Um, I want to go with this Kentucky run game led by the senior running back, Chris Rodriguez, who, uh, I mean, he is a downhill grinder through and through uh, when you look at the way that he wants to be able to run the football and his strengths as a ball carrier. Going up against this Florida front seven that did a decent job last week against Utah up front and kind of limiting that rushing attack. And they're led by that Florida nose tackle, uh, Jervon Dexter. And this is a guy that I raved about during the SEC preview a few weeks back. I think that he has got one of the highest upsides of any defensive lineman. And Ben, you know who I kind of thought of as I was, we, we were talking about him a couple weeks ago. It's kind of like where I was with Deron Payne when Payne was coming out. They're, they're not quite the same uh, in terms of like athletic profile, but I think that it's very similar in terms of Man, like if this guy puts it all together, he could be a top 15 kind of player. And, and Payne ended up being that um, from the Washington football team. I think Dexter has that kind of ceiling as a prospect. So uh, to me, watching this game, I'm going to be looking at that Kentucky rushing attack going up against that Florida front seven led by Jervon Dexter. And kind of a new offensive line in front of Will Levis this year yes. with a lot of guys off to the NFL, Darren Kennard, Luke Fortner. Yep. So there's some new guys up there, a transfer at right guard. The other left tackle, the left tackle too, uh, he was the athletic kid, um, ended up going late. Was he like sixth round or even undrafted? Yeah. Uh, it was a redshirt junior who declared, and the name's escaping me. But, yeah, both tackles and center. All, and all it was great to see Tavian uh, Robinson get acclimated to the offense. The Virginia Tech transfer seems yep. like he's taken over the Wandale Robinson role. Mm-hmm. So they do have a speedy playmaking receiver out there uh, to challenge that Florida secondary. But a bunch of good matchups out here. I'm going to go with an intriguing one. It's a lot of orange. It's Virginia and Illinois. Okay. Yeah, oh, this is a good one, yeah. Got some good players on both sides. I think it was really highlighted by Devin Witherspoon. Did you see the hit he had last week on the running back? I did. Might have been a couple blown assignments out there by the blocking uh, perimeter 
uh, receivers, and they really just let that swing pass just get annihilated by Witherspoon. But that's what Witherspoon brings. Mm. Really reminds me of this hit that uh, Denzel Ward had against yeah. Maryland. Maryland, if yep. you remember, I think yep. he got tossed for targeting. He did. It was targeting. Yeah, but it was on it. every. It was on every highlight reel of his awesome. coming out. Yep. But anyway, so Devin Witherspoon, he gets his rematch from last year against Dontavian Wicks yep. of Virginia, who's a great speedster receiver, excellent against press coverage. Wicks a little quiet last year. Yep. Only three catches, about sixty yards, two touchdowns. Yep. Both touchdowns on the other corner. So I thought Witherspoon really shut him down. He got open here and there. Witherspoon can be a little aggressive at the line of scrimmage with his jams, but he can recover. Also just an alpha, confident presence. So two NFL-style um, prospects out there as a press corner and a guy that's really good at beating press coverage and getting himself open in Dontavian Wicks. Didn't see what he did in the opener. Uh, but a really strong 2021 with Brendan Armstrong out there returning as well. Uh, temperature check on both guys. Uh, just uh, as as we sit here, first week of September, uh, do you view do you view him as like a day two guy, Witherspoon day three guy? Like, how do you kind of view both of those guys uh, in a vacuum? I think Witherspoon right now is an early day three uh, cover corner, uh, and I think his stock is definitely rising into a round three day two discussion. Has had okay. two really strong weeks already with some highlight plays. Had the interception in the opener, the highlight hit last week. You go shut down a Dontavian Wicks, and you get yourself into Big Ten play and Ohio State and some of those elite prospects. I could see him falling into that day two category. And Wicks, I think, is lockstep right there as well. Early yeah. day three. Yep. I think a strong season. He puts together another 2021 where he had 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns and an excellent uh, pedigree to beat press coverage. He's a day two player all day long. Right now, I think they're flirting right there as early day three prospects. And let's uh, let's see who comes out on top this Saturday. All right, so Wicks last week against Richmond, uh, six catches, 47 yards. Only uh, It was under eight yards yeah, a catch, so pretty quiet yep. in week one against Richmond. We'll see uh, how he does. And he's the guy week. now, so yes. all week they're looking at him, double coverage, brackets, help over the top. Yep. Suddenly it's not so easy to get yourself open once all the attention's on you. No doubt. All right, I'm going to come right back to you here. Most to gain, a player that could really benefit from a strong performance this weekend. Uh, when I present this category to you for uh, week two, who's the first guy that comes to your mind? Well, I feel like this this is just an echo of an echo of an echo because I've said this guy and I've uh, been excited for this matchup for seemingly two months now. <laughs> and that's App State outside linebacker Nick Hampton, who was my defensive player of the week last week. last week. Got for you his, the win and on the clock. No yep. question. Thank you, uh, Gabriella, for the win there against Dean and Fran. But Nick Hampton, strong opener against North Carolina despite not getting the win. Well, two huge games for App State, North Carolina, and then they face Texas A&M this week. Yeah. You put together another performance like you did last week, Nick Hampton, and I think the spotlight is solely on you as an NFL prospect. Had a huge season last year, long arms, loose, strong, powerful, active, productive, now against some SEC offensive linemen. This is put-up, shut-up time. This might be the pinnacle of his season. Those two games, when we're sitting here in March and scouts want to put on the Nick Hampton tape, Yep, I'm going right to North Carolina and Texas A&M and maybe the bowl game or conference championship to see how the season kind of developed. But this is a big game for Nick Hampton. Uh, so I'm going to go with a kind of like one of the headline matchups of this weekend. And there's a, a lot of layers to this game because uh, Texas will be joining the SEC here in the next couple of weeks. They take on Alabama this week. Bama, heavily favored coming in. I think everybody kind of expects that Alabama's going to win this game. But Texas, they've got 
Bijan Robinson, uh, a player that a lot of people feel is a first-round running back uh, and the, arguably the number one running back in the entire country. Jameer Gibbs on the other side uh, might have something to say about that. So two of the top running backs in the country taking the field. And what is a, a line from Steve Sarkeesian, the head coach of Texas, that you have used on this show a number of times? The number one matchup, the one, number one mismatch for any offense is a running back in the pass game. So are they able to try and create some opportunities for Bijan Robinson in space in this game? Uh, I'm, I'm, to me, like even if Alabama wins this going away, if Bijan Robinson has a huge highlight play or two in the first half when it's close, that'll be enough to just kind of get the continue that buzz rolling, uh, keep that momentum rolling uh, with his draft stock and uh, how people are discussing Bijan Robinson. Uh, if he goes in and has a big game against one of the best defenses in college football, I think that'll go a long way for him. And don't forget, this game's on Fox. Yes, you don't typically see kickoff. Alabama yep. on Fox. They haven't had the non-conference contracts with a lot of Big 12 teams over the years. Yep. I think their most recent ones, they had the the Miami contract, the Duke home and home, I think, West Virginia a year before that. So yep. you don't see them on Fox a whole lot. So nope. we'll have a different feel to it. And uh, prospects all over the place, a lot of former Alabama players on that Texas Longhorn team. Yes. Jaleel Billingsley, a couple of receivers. Yep. Some uh, D-linemen too. Yep. Guys on both sides of the ball out yep. there. So there will be definitely be some uh, familiarity on the, with those teams. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the more fun matchups to just like talk about going into the day. And like you said, it's it's bright and early. It's the big noon kickoff, uh, 12 o'clock on Fox here on Saturday afternoon. Let's get to the next category here uh, with some prospects after dark. Guys, they won't be playing uh, in the noon kickoff games, but maybe 8 o'clock or later for those people that are watching college football a little bit later on Saturday night, uh, who's player that stands out to you let's uh take a look at this byu baylor game yes. which they played last year i think this is the second of the home and home they play 10 15 saturday night on espn byu <clears throat> excuse me uh, had a great offensive line and rushing attack last year they have for the last five ten years this offensive line might be the best unit they've had in a decade which is scary to say i have no idea who's running the ball back there behind them now that Tyler Algier is an Atlanta Falcon, but they have Connor Pay up front, Clark Barrington at left guard, ran for over 300 yards last week against South Florida. Well, they're going to face big Baylor nose tackle Siaki Ika there, who we know he likes to plug the run and be a line of scrimmage, stout kind of a run wrecker there. So I think that's a really interesting matchup and a really fun matchup between two elite programs with a lot of NFL-style bodies in the trenches. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that game in uh, a little bit more detail in the next segment with Ross, but um, that's going to be one of the more intriguing matchups for sure. Very similar styles uh, on both sides, so I'm excited for that game. Um, for me, let's go to the ACC. 8 o'clock on the ACC network, Boston College, Virginia Tech. And I think when you look at BC, uh, offensively, they're breaking in a new system. Eyes on the senior quarterback, Phil, Phil Jerkovich, but I, I think I have a little bit more juice for the wide receiver, Zay Flowers. And this is a guy that uh, can be used at all three levels of the field. I like him with the ball in his hands after the catch, but uh, he has proven that he can track a deep ball as well. Was banged up last year in 2021 for a good chunk, especially early on, and I think that injury kind of hampered him throughout the course of the season. Now that he's fully healthy, what is he going to look like against a Virginia Tech secondary that still has some teeth in it, even, even though they've changed uh, defensive schemes? Uh, to me, uh, Zay Flowers, a guy I'll have eyes on here in some of these later games on Saturday night. Let's get to uh, the next one here. We'll call our shot. Predict a big game from one prospect this weekend with a little bit of a short profile on the guy. Well, it was a fun rivalry game. We got Iowa State-Iowa. Great one. Who yep. they, they face each other early in the seasons. Xavier Hutchinson, huge game last Good week. Call. Eight for 128, three touchdowns against Southeast Missouri. Well, last year against Iowa, he did not show up. He only had three catches, 22 yards. I think the Iowa Hawkeyes really put it on Brock Purdy and uh, some of those Cyclones out there. So Xavier Hutchinson, ever since that game, 
been on a meteoric rise. Had a great finish to 2021, great opener last week. Iowa's in town. Let's show up. I think he needs to really right the wrong from last year. Go put uh, who's that corner out there? Riley, Riley Moss. Riley Moss. Yep. yep. Let's get him turning and running, chasing him in some routes. So Xavier Hutchinson. This kid gets open. He's got good size. He's explosive. I think sitting there right now is a day two uh, prospect. Yeah, and I feel like this is a good matchup for both of those guys in the reps where they do see each other one-on-one because Moss, not necessarily known for his speed. Hutchinson, not necessarily known for his speed. I think with uh, both guys, they're more the, the tech from the technicians and uh, of the way that they play. So it should be a fun matchup. And I actually thought Hutchinson initially watching him in 2020 and early in 2021, thought he was a little bit more of like a Trayvon Grimes or an Auden Tate, a little bit strong, right. upright, maybe a little stiff-hipped. This guy gets open. He can sink like his hips to the top of routes. Yeah. He gets a pretty good uh, you know, package of releases to get off press coverage, which he doesn't see a ton in the Big 12, but tracks the ball well, and you see the speed in the open field. Yep. Really interesting prospect. I think I had a bad breakfast the day I watched him. So, Xavier Hutchinson, let's have a big game against Iowa. Lay off the avocado toast <laughs> when you're getting ready to watch uh, Xavier Hutchinson next time. Um, for me, I'm going to look at Arkansas, South Carolina. Uh, there's been a lot of buzz about the South Carolina senior defensive tackle, Zach Pickens. There's been some buzz about the Arkansas interior lineman, the center, Ricky Stromberg, who's played some guard and played some center for the Razorbacks. He's going to be playing center here this weekend. That's a matchup I'm looking forward to seeing. I think Stromberg comes out on top. You look at that run game with Trey Sanders and, and the rest of that group back there. Uh, I think that Arkansas is going to be able to move the football on the ground, and I think Stromberg going up against Pickens, uh, upperclassman versus upperclassman there. I like Stromberg here in this matchup. So I'm going to call my shot. There's nothing that's statistical I can say about this one, but I think just going back and watching Watching the film, I think Stromberg gets the edge. He's a good player. He's experienced, but he needs to play up to the competition. I thought he was having a great season. Then Georgia came to town, and I thought whooped him. I think he needs to show up against NFL-style trench players like Zach Pickens and prove that you're an NFL trench player and a potential starting caliber interior lineman for an NFL team. I think Stromberg's strong. Well, let's see it against the best of the best in the SEC. Love that. Well, let's get to our uh, our last one before we get into the mock draft. That's our comparison chat. Using an NFL comp uh, to profile a prospect that's playing this weekend. I'll let you uh, take the honors. Well, Ole Miss, I think they have an exciting defense. A lot of transfers out there. Kari Coleman, edge rusher from TCU, is now playing off-ball linebacker next to Troy Brown coming over from Central Michigan. But anyways, my favorite secondary trio of safeties is at Ole Miss with A.J. Finley, Ashim Young, and this big Otis Reese IV. He's 6'3", 225 pounds, Georgia transfer. He played there last year. Go put on that LSU tape. Nobody stood up Tyrion Davis-Price like this kid. Mm. They had some huge collisions in the open field. 6'3", 225, safety. It's a big boy. Reminds me a lot of Divine Diablo coming out of Virginia okay, Tech nice. a few years now, ago. Now, do you view him as a linebacker convert? I think all day long, yeah. Okay. Yep. Nice. Uh, this kid's long. He's tough. I don't remember who they played last week, but he destroyed a running back on a screen, sniffed it out. He's always playing top-down around the line of scrimmage, in the box. Anyways, they play Central Arkansas, 7 p.m., ESPN+, Plus, Ole Miss. A lot of exciting defensive players out there. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go back to the ACC here. Uh, we got a cross-conference uh, matchup here. Pitt going up against Tennessee. That's 3.30 on ABC here Saturday afternoon. 
Uh, Pitt, they, they've got some interesting players this year. Obviously, they lose Kenny Pickett. They lose Jordan Addison. They, they lost some guys uh, from last year. But Habakkuk Baldonado, uh, the, the uh, defensive end, who was actually very productive for them last year up front. Uh, this is a guy, you know, at six foot four. 255 pounds, really interesting backstory. Grew up in Rome, Italy, uh, was a three-star recruit, didn't play a lot of football, only one year of high school football in America, three years in Italy before moving to Florida in 2017. His background is as like a swimmer in MMA. So uh, a really interesting background. Again, hasn't played a ton of football, but at 6'4", 255, 33 and a half inch arms, like there, there are tools to be able to work with here. I think that I don't know that he's like if the hole is greater than the sum of the parts yet. Like I watched him and I was like, all right, like I don't know what he does for you right right now, but you see the tools there. And so a name that I thought uh, really kind of struck a chord after talking about him with you, you were the one that actually put this one in my brain and I wrote it down immediately. I loved it. Baldonado with Sam Hubbard when Hubbard was at Ohio State. Okay. Hubbard was a lacrosse player coming out of high yeah. school um, that ended up at Ohio State and, and really kind of, for, for me personally, watching him, I didn't love Sam Hubbard. Like when I was, I was like, ah, oh, like I, I just don't know what he does for you right away. And early on, it was kind of a, a slow go for him in the NFL and he's developed into a, a decent starter. I think you kind of uh, project that same track here for Baldonado is a, a similar kind of body type, not like a special wow athlete, um, but an unrefined player with some upside uh, and a good play personality. Baldonado, he plays left to right like a you know also sideline to sideline player um just a, you know a matter of the refinement uh, across the board but it's an interesting prospect yeah absolutely and there's a lot of interesting prospects on that pit defense Kalijah Clancy up front the undersized yeah, uh, trench so player yep. some exciting linebackers and obviously the NFL loves their corners but you know what I feel bad for right now that I'm thinking about okay Man, that Pitt-West Virginia game feels like it was a year ago. I know. That opened the season, or essentially opened the season, or opened the full slate of yeah. the season last Thursday. Yep. Keaton Slovis, what a great game, I oh, thought. Oh, man. Dude. I thought he had some big throws, hung in there late, had to make some throws in the fourth quarter. Exciting game. Anyways, you almost forget about that performance. Yep. I mean, you had Clemson you know, on Sunday night at LSU and Florida State. This whole slate of games between them. Remember, last year, Pitt-Tennessee? This was the Kenny this was Pickett, the Kenny Pickett sit game. up in your chair yeah, game. You're right. You know, this is the one that made you say, okay, maybe this kid is for real. Yep. I want to see Slovis come up and have a big game against these Tennessee Volunteers, SEC, and have that similar type of, okay, he's for real as a prospect. And I know NFL scouts, you put on the SEC tape against the SEC outsiders, it's a big deal. Yes. The speed is different. The size is different. The You know, just the overall talent is different in the SEC. So when Keaton Slovis plays Tennessee Volunteers, I want to see him show up just like Kenny Pickett did, and that, then I think he's uh, intriguing some scouts and some uh, prospect evaluators. Oh, you and I have talked about this a number of times, Dane as well, over the last few weeks when it comes to these early season matchups, and uh, it's now you fast forward to December and January and February, and people are sitting down, whether it's media or team personnel, and you're like, all right, uh, let's watch an early season game, a mid-season game, and a late-season game, You know, just to, if I'm going to watch three games or four games. You go through that first part of the schedule if you're watching Baldonado and it's like, okay, or you're watching Keaton Slovis. It's like, all right, do I watch him against North Carolina? Do I watch him against West Virginia? No, like, oh, they play Tennessee? All right, let's watch. Well, you watched Carter Warren last SEC. week. What was the first tape you put on? No, Tennessee no, game. Tennessee game for yeah, last week. So, yeah, exactly. Same thing for him. Same yep. thing for Gabe Hoye. Same thing for the receivers out there. Yep. Um, when the, the level of competition gets ramped up, you you got to show up. That's a good point. Um, all right, let's round this out now with our mock draft roundup. We picked a mock draft. Uh, and just take a look at where players are going right now um, from a media standpoint. The mock draft this week, 
Luke Easterling from USA Today and the Draft Wire, the top five picks. And we talked about this last week, Ben. It was like, it felt like the chalk uh, discussion coming in was that it was going to be Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, CJ Stroud, and Bryce Young. Those four guys, who's going to be the fifth guy in the top five? You kind of sh- shake it up and just see. Well, we've got a little bit of a change here because Anthony Richardson now is kind of a chic pick uh, for a lot of mock drafters, throwing him into uh, the top five, top ten, especially after that, that performance last week against Utah. And that's what we get here. You get Will Anderson, number one to Houston. Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle, number two to Atlanta. Seattle taking Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson at number three. Chicago taking Northwestern left tackle Peter Skaronsky at number four. And the Giants taking C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, at number five overall. The Eagles' first selection here in this mock draft, number 15 from the Saints, linebacker Noah Sewell from Oregon. Here's the blurb from Luke. Nicobe Dean could be a third-round steal for the Eagles from this year's draft, but they still need another rangy three-down playmaker at the second level. Sewell is a complete defender who can defend the run and the pass at an extremely high level. So, Ben, uh, I want to get your thoughts here. Noah Sewell, number 15, what do you think about the, the vibe of him that high and the idea of him fitting here in this Eagles defense? I think it would be an exciting addition to most, you know, second levels in the NFL. He's an exciting, you know, uh, run and chase, you, yes, know, yep. uh, you know, explosive speed and he's a hitter. Huge. Like, I, that's the thing. I'm almost gigantic. wondering if they project him to like a Sam linebacker. Right. Yep. You know, it's uh, um, an interesting skill set. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I just envision him. He's like a combination of like Devin Lloyd and Jannard Avery, like put together. Mm. Like, I don't know where I want to play him at the next level. He was a prolific high school running back yep. as well. Freak athlete out there. We'll see if he has the athleticism and the lateral range to play, you know, Mike Will at the next level, or if we have to kind of stick him up on the line of scrimmage. I think that watching these mock drafts every single week from an Eagle standpoint are going to be interesting because the Eagles obviously uh, set to start the season here this Sunday. A lot of hype around this team, but they've got two first round picks. So I feel like there's going to, and it was the same thing last year. You start seeing like these chalk answers every single week. Oh, like let's pencil in a receiver. Let's pencil in a linebacker. Let's pencil in a, I feel like you're going to start to see a lot of similar names and similar positions for the Eagles in these mock drafts and a linebacker. I think I feel like always a very popular one for mock drafters uh, for the Eagles, just to get a sense of the, the players that are going in this area. The three picks that went before Noah Sewell here in this mock draft at number 12, the Patriots took Clemson defensive end, Miles Murphy. That was a pick that we covered last week. Uh, Houston took LSU wide receiver, Kayshawn Butte, fresh off his one catch performance last week against Florida State. Uh, Arizona taking LSU, or former LSU corner, now Alabama corner, Eli Ricks. The three picks after the Eagles. Tennessee taking tight end Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. Minnesota taking USC wide receiver Jordan Addison. And the Raiders taking Clemson defensive lineman Brian Brezzi. So Ben, of those six picks, the three before the Eagles pick and the three after, which of the ones stands out to you as the best fit? Which one were you like, oh, I, I could really see that player team fit there from those six? Love seeing Michael Mayer in Tennessee, a true wide tight end with some more dual threat ability than they've had. You know, John o. Smith, I think, was more of a playmaker in the pass game. And then they have a lot of brute strong tight ends that don't give you much pass game upside. So I think Michael Mayer would be a great fit for that run game, for that offense. And Brian Brezzi out in Las Vegas. Mm. A little juice on the interior between Max Crosby. Let's see if Chandler Jones can hang out for a couple more years. Yep. Suddenly a wicked three-headed monster. And I do not see Brezzi 
sliding this far in the mm. first round, in my opinion. I also don't see him as a prospect going after his teammate Miles no, Murphy. I was, gonna, which I was just going to make seems that like a trend yeah. in a lot it, of mock drafts lately. Yes, it does. No question. I don't know if it's uh, just because of the injury to Brezzy last year and people kind of forget. Hmm. It's. I think that's going to be interesting to follow as well. Um, for me, the one that's really stood out, uh, Arizona with Eli Ricks. Um, I think Ricks is that kind of player for that Vance Joseph defense. They they blitz a ton. Uh, they'll play a good mix of both man and zone on the back end of it. But uh, to me, I look at Ricks and I think that that makes a lot of sense from a fit standpoint uh, with him in Arizona. Let's get to the next Eagles selection here. This is the Eagles' own pick, number 22 overall, Texas running back B. John Robinson, who we talked about earlier in the show. Here's the blurb from Luke. When you've got multiple first-round picks, you can afford the luxury of spending one on a running back, especially when he is as talented as Robinson. A three-down playmaker, Robinson might be a top-10 overall prospect in this class, making him worthy of being the only first-rounder at his position. So, Ben, uh, we talked a little bit about Bijan earlier, but uh, your thoughts on uh, that selection there at 22 overall? Love it. I don't see him going anywhere from running back one right now. A elite combination of elusive and finishing. And I think Bijan Robinson would be a great addition to nearly every offense, but seeing him here in Philadelphia, the acceleration in which he takes handoffs into the line of scrimmage with an elusive gear and light feet and a finishing element and physicality and explosiveness and playmaking ability and can catch the football, I think Bijan would be a great addition. The only knock on Bijan Robinson at this point, he's just got to get better in pass protection. Yeah. I, I think everything else, you could say like either he is really, really good or he's pretty darn good you know what I mean like he's like they're everything else and you, you might not even say oh man like he's like elite in area any area but this is a really good player and a guy that I think um you know I don't know that he's gonna end up being a first round pick when it's all said and done um but I think when you look at the talent no question he's one of the top players uh in hope this to class. see some uh Toyo Toyo blitzes this weekend yeah. and maybe have to Ooh, pick up a couple yeah put him in the put him in one of those situations where he's gonna have to stand up uh I agree um the three guys that went before Bijan Robinson in this draft Indianapolis taking quarterback Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, a redshirt sophomore uh, there at number 19 overall. Seattle taking the Notre Dame pass rusher Isaiah Foskey. Georgia left tackle Broderick Jones going at number 21 to the Dallas Cowboys. And the three picks that went after, Baltimore taking wide receiver Quentin Johnson from TCU. Cincinnati taking Clemson linebacker Trenton Simpson. And Miami Dolphins taking pass rusher Nolan Smith from the University of Georgia. So, Ben, I will ask you this. Of those six picks... Which stands out to you as the best fit? I love the Trenton Simpson pick to Cincinnati. I think they have some intriguing back-end talent they do. like Dax yep. Hill now and uh, the uh, the rangy kid. I can't remember his name who intercepts a lot of passes. Kyle Hamilton. Not Kyle Hamilton. For Cincinnati. Oh, for, oh, for Cincinnati. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates, yeah. yeah. And they got a couple interesting corners out there. Some hulking linebackers and Luke Wilson and uh, – the Jermaine Pratt. Yep. Seen a little bit more of a hybrid playmaker out there. So I think Trent Simpson's a combination of an athletic linebacker and an oversized safety. Mm. So I think you do a lot with him. There's nobody like that on the Bengals. There's nobody like that in the AFC North. So like, you know, I just think Trenton Simpson would be an exciting chess piece to add to some really strong kind of blue collar players out there. I think Simpson's a ball of clay. You could do a lot with him. Uh, I think I had the Ravens on the brain because the, the one that stood out to me was Quentin Johnson, the, say, the uh, wide receiver from TCU going to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think it checks a lot of boxes. Number one, they're still looking for like that other outside presence. Uh, They've actually shown a, a big propensity for selecting players from like that area of the country, from the Big 12, from uh, from the Big 10, just right up the spine of America. Uh, you look at a lot of the picks since uh, the, this new regime has taken over in Baltimore, uh, a heavy amount of guys uh, from that area. And so you kind of get a sense, all right, who are the area scouts? And 
each of these buildings that have a lot of juice. I think the, the, whoever's covering the Midwest, the Southwest uh, for, uh, for the Ravens certainly has some juice uh, in that building. And, and I think that he fits that offense to a T as well. Uh, that would be a really interesting pick there. Uh, Quentin Johnson, a guy I know you're really high on. Um, you know, you've compared him in the past uh, to the, uh, the former Clemson receiver, Martavis Bryant. Uh, I think he has that kind of talent for sure. So that was the one of those six picks that really stood out to me. Last question here. Biggest surprise inside the top 20. Uh, there's a, a bunch of different ways you can go here. Uh, what was your, well, looking at this mock draft, biggest surprise for you inside the first 20 picks? You know, there's a couple intriguing ones. I think Anthony Richardson, QB1. I mean, that's pretty low-hanging fruit there to be a surprise. It's yep. the first time I've seen anybody really leapfrog CJ Stroud or uh, Bryce Young out there. Five tackles. It's not that there were five tackles. I think some of the names might surprise people. Um, at just who they were at you know, the last one for Florida State. I need to do some work on as well. Everybody become familiar with Broderick Jones, left tackle yeah. at Georgia, only a redshirt sophomore. Uh, to your point, I mean, my mind was Jalen Duncan, the Maryland oh, tackle, go. Yep. Uh, at number 10 overall to the Washington football team, the Washington Commanders. Uh, I think that that, that one, because uh, I like Jalen Duncan. I think we talked about on the on the Big Ten preview, he, he was my favorite senior tackle that I've studied. But uh, at 10 overall, uh, that was surprising. Yeah, and, I mean, cornerback one, Joey Porter Jr., right. first yeah. I've really seen that as somebody ahead of Keely Ringo or Eli Ricks, Cam Smith coming in there, four corners in the first round, only four edge. It seemed like that's a little like low, mm, a little for low edge for rusher. this class, especially for this class. Yeah, yeah Will sure. Anderson, Miles Murphy, Isaiah Foskey, and or what's Nolan Smith? Smith. Nolan, Nolan Smith. Smith. Yeah, Miami. Know? Yep. Is that really the hopper of edge that we're kind of considering right, here? Yep. You know. Um, so in one safety, number 28, Brandon Joseph out there. So yep. just taking a landscape of, you know, the type of prospects, the, uh, positional depth and who they are. Always interesting. You do the work to do the mock. We'll, we'll dive into it. That's it. No, that's, uh, and that's why I want to do it every week. It's just like try and get a sense of who are the, who are the players that we're talking about? It's not just the Eagles picks, but who else is going in that area? Just kind of get a sense of who these names are, uh, to make sure that people are aware of who those top picks could be by the time we reach. Now, personally, I don't love the week to week in season mock drafts. I feel like you ride the wave a little bit. Uh, you're, you love to be a and prisoner then, of the uh, moment. You know, before you know it, you get Davion Nixon's going 11th overall because he had three sacks the week before. And then next thing you know, he's like a fourth round pick a month later. <laughs> so the mocks are okay. Just make sure you don't ride the wave of the statistical surges that happen from week to week. Everyone that listens to this podcast knows that you are very emotional when it comes to uh, your analysis. So uh, Actually, you could do the mock drafts. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to keep the receipts, all right? <laughs> We know you will. You, yeah. uh, you absolutely uh, always keep Bring them out in sheets. April. Uh, well, Ben, this is uh, always fun. We'll be back breaking things down from this weekend in college football. Early next week, my, uh, me, you, and uh, Dane Brugler breaking it all down next week right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, excited for this week's edition of Pick 6 as I welcome in my friend Ross Tucker. Ross, uh, week one in the books, you have a short lead on me right now. You get three points from last week. Uh, I've got two points. The the go-to, uh, the swing votes here, the swing picks for us last week, you took the Gators over Utah. I went the other way, so that gave you two points. You also got a point with K.J. Jefferson uh, passing touchdowns over Ben Bryant, 3-2. to two. Bryant threw for more yards. I actually got excited because I saw the yardage total first, and I thought for some reason that it was yardage. And then when I went back and saw touchdowns, I said, oh, you got the edge there. Uh, I took under on Kenny McIntosh rushing yards against Oregon, uh, got the win there, and then I took the uh, the OSU margin over uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba's yards per catch. Uh, obviously, he got hurt early in that game, so that affected that number. So, Ross, uh, tight one here through one week, and we'll see if uh, you can extend your lead. Uh, we'll start with Iowa State and Iowa. Great rivalry. 
rivalry game. We get it every single year. Uh, interested to kind of get your thoughts on how you see this one going. Again, our pickums every week, they will count two points towards the total. By the way, Fran, I'm so glad you just mentioned that we get this game every year. We need to do more of these. Yes, Like Pitt, West Virginia. No doubt. You know, the, these rivalry games that mean more because of the location, they matter. You know, we all look at these college football schedules and it's like certain games are games that you circle that you care about. Iowa, Iowa State is one of those games. Kudos to these two programs for playing it every year because they don't have to. Penn State doesn't play Pitt every year, even though they should. So I think it's great that Iowa State and Iowa play against each other. I'm going to go with Iowa. Their defense is once again legit, as it seems like they always are. And quite frankly, I think it'd be hard for them to score less than they did this past (laughs) week. So you combine the solid defense that got two safeties. I mean, the defense outscored the offense. Offense can't be that bad. So I'll take Iowa in a uh, hard-fought, low-scoring close one. Uh, I will go with the, with the Iowa Hawkeyes here as well. I just feel like Iowa State has just lost so much over the last couple of years offensively that it just makes it really tough for them to be able to keep up. I think when you look at these two linebackers uh, for Iowa this year, when you look at uh, Jack Campbell, a guy that I really, really like, 6'4", just under 250 pounds, I think he checks so many of the boxes you're looking for uh, at the linebacker position. The only thing he doesn't have is straight line speed, but I think when you look at uh, just the way he plays the game, the way he plays through contact, the way he reads things, the way he plays in coverage. I think he's very similar to TJ Edwards in that area and just being a, a really productive player that just doesn't have that straight line speed. Uh, Justin Jacobs, uh, the redshirt junior linebacker for Iowa, also a quality prospect to keep an eye on. So uh, to me, I will take the Hawkeyes here over the Cyclones. We'll start on the same side here on our opening pick. And let's see if we go opposite here with the next one. Baylor against BYU. I'm interested to see uh, who you like in this one. This one uh, uh, is an interesting game to me on both sides. Very this is, a, this is a kind of a weird matchup that Baylor's even playing BYU. You don't see games like this that often. I've kind of gone back and forth on this one. Yeah. Uh, Baylor, you know, Dave Aranda's defense is always good, almost speaks for itself. They've got a good quarterback. But I'm going with BYU. I'm going with the Cougars. They're playing at home. They've got the experience factor with so many guys being in their 20s that have been there for years. And I, I just think Jaron Hall is really good. I, I like this quarterback for BYU I think the Cougars get this win at home I think Jaron Hall uh, arguably could be the best player on the field when he steps on the field offensively um, th- this these two offenses are very very similar they want to do a lot of the same things a lot of the of, uh, coaching staff crossover there between those two teams so um, to me I think that you say okay that, that's a wash I'm going to go Baylor, though, because of Dave Aranda and that defense. Uh, to me, uh, I think B- Baylor gets a little bit of an edge in that they see that offense every day, and I, I will take a Dave Aranda defense. Uh, so give me the Baylor Bears here. Uh, I'll go sick them uh, for, for that pick and make sure we go separate. Uh, let's go now with our over-under. This will count for one point in our final standings and our final tally. The under, over-under this week. 68 and a half is the number, and that is the number of receiving yards I'm going to set for USC wide receiver Jordan Addison, the reigning Bolitnikoff Award winner. They, they take on Stanford this week. One of my other favorite early season rivalry games uh, between the Cardinal and the Trojans. Uh, Ross, what do you think here? 68 and a half receiving yards over under for Jordan Addison this Saturday. Love the way, by the way, you said, I'll take Sikkim in the pick yeah, that- <laughs> into that rhyme. That was amazing. Um, I'm going to take Jordan. Ad- I'm going to take the over. Okay. I think he's a special player. 
I think this is going to be a good game. I think this game goes in the fourth quarter. I think Caleb Williams is going to have to look for Addison and be feeding him. And I think he actually makes a play in the fourth quarter to go over this total and to put USC uh, ahead for good or at least put the nail in the coffin. Give me the Addison over. So last, the reason why I went with 68, last year, Drake London had 68 yards uh, in this game against Stanford. So uh, I figured, all right, does he have more or less than Drake London had in this matchup a year ago? He had four for 68 and a touchdown against the Cardinal. Last week, uh, Jordan Addison, five for 54. So he would have hit the under uh, last week against Rice. He did have two touchdowns, including that touchdown on the opening drive from Caleb Williams. I mean, Addison only had under 68 yards three times last year in 14 games, and two of them were in the first two weeks of the season before he really got cooking. Um, the last week, the leading wide receiver for Colgate, who took on uh, Stanford, he only had 21 yards. They've got a, a, a really interesting senior corner in Caillou Blue Kelly. Uh, that, I think that's a, one of the bigger matchups to watch here, uh, that Stanford secondary, which I think this defense being slept on a little bit, I think I'm going to take the under. Uh, and I think I'm going to just look at, hey, look, maybe they're just a little bit slow going, trying to get him the football. Uh, obviously, they've got other weapons in that USC offense. They've developed some wide receivers over the course of the last few years. So uh, I will take the under. Make sure I go separate. I want to see if I can see if I can catch you here uh, this week uh, to make sure you don't build up too much of a lead. Let's now go to our next one, our either or. Uh, and again, this will be a one-pointer. And the, the way I'll kind of structure these every single week, this player versus that player. And this one is very simple. A huge, huge, huge quarterback matchup this weekend in college football. Kentucky, Florida, Will Levis for the for the Cats, uh, Anthony Richardson for the Gators. Who throws for more yards, Ross? Levis or Anthony Richardson? Yeah, this game's gigantic, not just for these two players as draft prospects, but also for their teams and their goals to win uh, the SEC East. I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson. I think Kentucky is going to try to run it more with their run game with Levis. I think Richardson ends up throwing for more yards in this one. But honestly, this is a pretty, this is a a true toss up for me. I'll go Richardson though. He also had that sweet highlight from last week. And I know my guy, Emery Hunt on the college draft podcast thinks Richardson is going to be the number one pick in the draft. He thinks he's got those type of tools. So I'll roll with Emery and I'll roll with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I think when you look at Richardson, I mean, the tools are, are obvious. Watching him last watching him this summer from last year, uh, obviously in spot duty, he only had one start, but still, you know, partook in a handful of games last year for the Gators as the backup to Emory Jones. And uh, Richardson is just loads and loads of talent. The, uh, to your point, this is a really interesting toss-up because not only are you betting on the quarterback, but you're also just, how is this game going to go? Is the team going to be trying to throw late uh, to try and come back? Uh, is one of these teams going to really take over and try and take the air out of the football? I will go Richardson uh, just because I'm going to take the talent and we'll win out. I think that when you look at the Gators wide receivers, I think there's probably a little bit more proven talent there on that side of the football. Uh, I will go Anthony Richardson. I also don't feel great about it. So I will side with you uh, here on this one. Let's go to the next one here. A high low. And again, this one um, is which number is higher And one point. Rushing touchdowns from Appalachian State running back Cameron Peoples, big hammer, uh, one of the bigger backs in the senior class, scored a touchdown uh, last week against North Carolina, um, or the combined number of sacks, interceptions, and forced fumbles from the stud Texas A&M safety Antonio Johnson. Uh, now the push, if there, if it is an even number, 
The push will go to Johnson just because it is hard to come up with these big plays, these sacks, interceptions, and forced fumbles. But uh, looking at this matchup, Ross, who's got which one's the higher number? The rushing touchdowns for the power back, Cameron Peoples, or the big plays from uh, the stud safety, Antonio Johnson? I'm going to go Antonio Johnson. Ooh, I like it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, That's not like you. You usually go the safe for the safe route. Yeah, I like the fact that the push goes to Johnson. Yep. I think that A&M will have a pretty significant lead in this game. That is more conducive to sacks, interceptions, mm-hmm. forced fumbles, those type of things than rushing touchdowns in the case. So, um, yeah, I might regret it, but I'm going to go with Antonio Johnson. And going with the, the the sack, interception, force, fumble trio. See, this is one where uh, me being the one that creates these, like it comes back to bite me because I was really thinking like, oh, he, he always plays it safe. He's going to go Cameron Peoples and say, oh, it's, it's hard to come up with these big plays, Fran. I, I'm going to go with the, the running back uh, to get it in the end zone. I'm going to side with you uh, and go with Antonio Johnson. Uh, this guy is a playmaking machine. We'll see uh, what he can do here against, the, uh, against App State. This is a big game for App State after nearly upsetting UNC uh, this past week. Last one here, Ross, uh, our upset specials. Um, again, these are, are huge in the overall rankings. If you can hit on one of these, uh, that can be big for you. Who's a, a big underdog that you really like this week? Well, let's not talk about last week because yeah. Texas State got smashed. That was that not didn't go good. Well. Yeah. Um, I thought long and hard about Colorado over Air Force, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, instead, I'm going to go with Old Dominion. Oh, nice. Again, back to back. Probably unlikely. It's hard to have an upset back-to-back weeks, but I think they got some confidence from that win over Virginia Tech. East Carolina had a devastating close loss. I'll take ODU over ECU. I like it. Uh, that's a game that I definitely thought about taking. Um, to me, this is tough. I'm going to go – You, I mean, you talked about the, the Pitt-West Virginia game and obviously just a, a really, really tough one. And, and to come off of that for West Virginia, you got Kansas – Kansas was feisty a little bit last year. They get the, the contract extension for the head coach. I'm going to go Kansas. Let's go Jayhawks here, uh, one of my favorite college basketball teams growing up. Let's let's see if uh, they can come through for me here uh, in our upset special. I'll take the Jayhawks here over West Virginia, let down uh, after the backyard brawl. Uh, we'll see if they can uh, they can come through for me, Ross, and uh, I'll see if I can overtake you. You've got the early lead here in our pick six segment, but uh, we'll see how you do here in week two. Yeah, I, I thought about that as well because I like Lance Leipold, the coach for Kansas, a lot. But they played a Thursday night game, so sure. I just feel like that's enough time for West Virginia to kind of get that bad taste out of their mouth. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting one for sure. Week two, uh, a lot of really fun matchups as we've talked about uh, all episode here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Ross, we will talk to you next week. Sounds great. Thanks, friend. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. Always fun chopping it up there with Ross Tucker. Let's now uh, go to our draft mailbag where we're going to answer a question. And again, the number one way to get here on the podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a question there in the comment box. We will answer it. It could be about a specific player. It could be about a position group. If you want rankings, if you want us to break down your mock draft, leave a mock draft in the comments. We always do that here on a weekly basis. So if you've got it, go leave it in the Apple Podcast comment box and we will answer it here on an upcoming episode. Sarge0882 left a five-star review saying, you've talked a lot on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast this this year about how multiple the Eagles' defensive front will be this season. Who's a player or two that fits that scheme, uh, that plays their guys that way? So uh, I guess the, the way I'm taking it here, Sarge, is just a, a multiple defensive front. Who are some of the guys that have that positional versatility? 
The way I'm going to answer this question, I'm going to kind of split it up to like a day one guy, a day two guy, and a day three guy. And we'll start day one, a player that Ben and I were just talking about a couple segments ago that uh, we feel maybe getting underrated a little bit, and that's Brian Brezzy from Clemson. Six foot five, 310 pounds. He was a big-time recruit coming out, of, uh, coming out of high school, arrived on campus. It was an impact player right away, ended up getting hurt, had a couple of different injuries that ended his season prematurely as a sophomore last year, but back this year. And again, at 6'5", 310, this guy's got really light feet. He's got impressive lateral movement. He's really strong through contact. He's good versus the run and pass, and he's got position versatility to line up across the board along the line of scrimmage. He just got to get past the injuries. He's got multiple shoulder things. He's got, I believe it was a knee last year as well. So you got to deal with some of the, the injury issues uh, that you've got from him so far in his young career. Hopefully he can stay healthy here in 2022. You get to day two. Brandon Dorless from Oregon, senior defensive lineman, six foot three, two hundred eighty nine pounds. Uh, I've compared him in the past to like a Milton Williams. This guy is athletic. He is fast off the ball. I love his twitch. Very disruptive player, both against the run and the pass. He can win from multiple techniques across the line of scrimmage. So if you're a team that likes to be able to you know move your guys around up front, I think Brandon Dorless has that impact as an interior defensive lineman. Then we get to day three. One guy that I think also has that same kind of versatility, but he's doing it a little bit differently because he's more of an edge rusher, is Derek Hall from Auburn. And I think that he's he's a guy that a lot of people are really high on coming in. 6'2", 255. He's got great length. He's got really, really long arms. Can line up in a two-point stance. He can move him around as a joker. He can flex out a little bit as an overhang player. So he's got some position versatility. He could be a rush or sand player. If you need to put his hand in the dirt, he can do that as well. Uh, really, really strong. He holds up against the run really, really well. High effort guy. He's got some power to his game to be able to push the pocket. And he's a really good run defender, like I said. So I think when you look at his position versatility uh, with how he can be used up front, I think Derek Hall, a guy that will uh, pique a lot of people's interest as a versatile player in the front seven. So, Sarge, great question there. Thanks for listening, not just to this podcast, but clearly also the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. You can check us out every single week over there, wherever you get your podcasts if you're an Eagles fan. That said, uh, like I said earlier with uh, with Ben, we'll be back early next week. Myself, Ben, Dane Brugler, we've got another special guest, Matt Waldman, joining us early next week here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand.